Well, today I want to talk about Celtic prayer. I've been talking all summer about the Celts, but I, I want to today talk about how the Celts prayed. But before I do that, I want to talk about Rimmer prayer. I want to talk to you for a minute about some of my challenges with prayer. I, I, I grew up with my dad as a pastor, but my mom as a very serious prayer warrior. I can remember at a very early age seeing my mom sit at the kitchen table with Bibles and commentaries, looking up Greek words and Hebrew words, and, uh, and really studying Scripture. And she kept a notebook of prayers, things she was praying about. In fact, at one point she gave me the prayer that she prayed for me and my sister every day about our lives and our protection and our faith, our future spouse, our future kids. Every day my mom prayed these particular prayers for us. And I remember just thinking about how amazing that was, that she was so committed and so dedicated. I, woke, I, I grew up with this very disciplined study and prayer life of a saintly woman I call my mom. So the problem for me was, when I got older, it didn't work for me. Maybe you can identify with this. I just was never really structured. Never really structured. I would get my prayer journal. I would set up a notebook. I would try devotionals. And boy, like a couple days I could do it, maybe. But it was just never like, like, it was never like what I could see my mom doing, where she would spend a solid hour every day in prayer and study. It just never quite clicked for me. I don't know if you can identify, but, but I, 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 there were two big challenges that I always had when it came to prayer. Uh, one was just the discipline, okay? I am like an all-over-the-place kind of person, and I can get stuff done, but I'm not super structured. And so if I try to super structure, it just never quite worked for me. And then, on, on the other side, uh, I always had a logical sort of question when, I came, when it came to prayer, which was, if God is omniscient, meaning he knows everything, why do I have to tell him? Doesn't seem to me like God's waiting around to find out news from me. Why do I have to spend time telling God what he already knows? But over time, it started to change for me. I started to think about prayer a little differently. And one of the verses that has meant so much to me, this is the, this is the smallest scripture you're ever going to get in a sermon from me. Okay, 1 Thessalonians 5.17. It says in some translations, pray continually. Other translations say pray without ceasing. So it's either two or three words long, depending on how you translate it in English. But the idea is Paul is saying to them, pray all the time. Pray like all the time. Like, don't stop. Just keep praying continuously without ceasing all the time. And I began to wonder if maybe there's other ways to pray. Maybe it's not just about having an hour a day, but being able to pray all the time. Now, I want to say clearly that if you can do some kind of really structured, disciplined prayer, you should go for it. I think it's a great thing to do. I think it's awesome. But but here's the way I think about prayer, is that every animal in this world needs water. But they don't always need the same amount of water or need to have the water the same way. Right? Whales are mammals that live in water. You take them out of the water, they die. They have to actually swim in it. It's like all the time. Okay, uh, some animals really need water pretty consistently. Uh, other animals, like camels, need a lot of water, but they don't need it regularly because they can store it. 
right? Some animals need to like swim in water. Others just need to drink dew off of leaves. I mean, it's, it just depends on who you are and what animal you are, how much water, how you intake your water. So I think it is with prayer. I think we all need it. We all need to be connected with the divine. But that works differently for each of us. When it comes to prayer, there's a lot of different ways, a lot of different times, a lot of different forms, a lot of different styles. Some are very disciplined and sit down and take notes. <coughs> but it never worked for me. For me, prayer became more of an all-the-time thing, actually more of a contemplative thing, thinking, and I'll, I'll share a little more about that later. But I want to start out by saying, if you have struggled to pray, you are not alone. It's not always easy to pray. It's not always easy to stop and pray like that. And sometimes what you need is to try different forms of prayer. Now, now for me, I didn't understand Celtic prayer back when I was trying to figure out prayer. In fact, if you had told me about Celtic prayer, I would have thought it was related to an NBA basketball team. I would never have known that there were these people called the Celts and the spirituality. But what I, what I realize now is, actually, I was figuring out some things that the Celts figured out long ago. So let me try to use the Celts to open up your prayer life a little bit here. The Celts, before they were Christian, they were this pagan people that lived all across Europe and then eventually got sort of pressed into what's now like Scotland, Ireland, Wales. Uh, but at one point, it was a huge, huge group of people. And, but they were, they were very pagan, but they were also deeply spiritual. They believed in lots of spirits, lots of gods that, gods that lived beyond our world, often found in nature. They believed in special places where you could get closer to these gods, where the veil between the divine world and the, and the physical world was so small, they called them thin places, because you could get closer to the gods there. In fact, there is where the spirits would cross over and you could get to know the gods. You could divine, understand the divine in a different way there. So the Celts developed spiritual rituals in these places. They would go to these places. They had Gaelic songs and prayers Sometimes this included sacrifices and other rituals led by the Druids, the priestly caste among the Celts. Many of their practices were corporate, so you didn't just pray by yourself. Most prayer historically isn't done by yourself. It's done with other people. And the Celts were like that too. They had corporate prayers. There, would, um, there you could pray for your life, pray for people, but also pray for nature. Okay, they were people that were reliant on hunting, and they were reliant on farming. So you know what a lot of their prayers were about? Hunting and farming. Lord, we hope we can find something to eat. Lord, we hope our cow gets better. Lord, we hope you would protect our crops. And so a lot of their prayers, I said Lord, but it was to their gods at that point. They had this idea that life is actually spiritual. That beyond all this farming and everyday life, there was this bigger spiritual world trying to break in. And what you really wanted to do was get the good spirits on your side, not the bad ones. Okay? And then the other thing that was important to the Celts was they really believed in the power of the spoken word. In other words, if you spoke something out loud, it meant something. Part of how you brought things into reality in the world by, by speaking them out loud. And uh, for them, it was, uh, it was blessings and cursings. So you get, uh, what if, if the Druid blessed you, that was a really good thing. But if the Druids cursed you, you were in trouble. And, and to this day, some of, some of you probably still know Irish blessings, right? Like this idea of blessings and cursing was a huge part of Scotch-Irish history. 
So we've been reflecting this summer on how interesting it is that when the Celts became Christian, they, they took a lot of their Celtness, shall we say, their Celt DNA, their Celt flair, their Celt feel, and kept it, but made it Christian. And so what they did was they brought a lot of what they thought and what they did in line with Christian teaching. So you get what's what we would call an authentically Christian Celt. Okay, an authentically Celtic Christian. Okay, so it shouldn't surprise you to know that what they did with prayer was similar. They took their pagan beliefs about prayer and brought them in line with Scripture. So let's think about a couple of these things. And now I'm going to start referring to the prayer of St. Patrick because I think it represents some of these things so well. Christian, Celtic Christian prayer came from the same place as Celtic pagan prayer, this belief that the divine was all around us. Okay? What changed was their understanding of the divine. Instead of thinking about all these gods and spirits, they began to understand, oh no, we have one God, three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and we're trying to get to know that God. And so one of the things you catch in Celtic prayer is a lot of reference to the Trinity. The prayer of St. Patrick we just did began with a reflection on the oneness and the threeness. And it ended with the same thing. This is very Celtic. Instead of wanting to discern all these spirits, they wanted to discern the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, and the, the work of God in their lives. Okay? They also, because of their understanding of the Trinity, understood the central importance of Jesus Christ in their prayers. So what you get in a lot of Celtic prayers is a reference to Jesus and his saving work. So if you go back and read that St. Patrick prayer again, you're going to find very early on that we recap the life of Jesus in the prayer. His baptism, his crucifixion, his resurrection, his ascension. This is very common in Celtic prayers. Instead of trying to discern all these gods and spirits, they spent a ton of their prayer life trying to discern who Christ was, who the Trinity was, and what that meant for their lives. And so Celtic, Celtic prayer life was very Jesus-centered, very Trinity-oriented. Now notice how important this is, too, that God is not far off in the prayer. In fact, this prayer, this prayer the breastplate of St. Patrick or the prayer of St. Patrick, um, like it could, be a, it could be a lesson in uh, prepositions in English, right? Christ in, in, in me, above me, over me, to my right, to my left. Like how many directional choices can you make? You get this feeling that maybe Jesus is everywhere for them. But remember for the Celts, that was true. They believed that the gods were everywhere. So when they found out that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and they found out that God is omnipresent everywhere in the Bible, they had this real sense, man, God is always with us. Jesus is always with us. Even in people that hear that are talking about me. Right to my right, to my left, everywhere. Part of Celtic prayer was also a dedication to something that we as Christians have really lost sight of. And if you've been around me, I've talked about it before. But it is daily prayer. In other words, ancient Jewish people, just like Jewish Jews and Muslims do today, would stop multiple times a day to pray. Okay, if you ever go to a country uh, that has a large Muslim population, you actually hear a call to prayer go out in the whole town. You can't miss it. It's somebody on a speaker that's calling everybody in the area to pray. But this is not original to Islam. Okay, uh, 
In the Bible, there are three major prayer times. Psalm 55, 17 says, Evening and morning and at noon, I utter my complaint and moan, and he hears my voice. Okay, so there were three times a day that you prayed. And there are several times in the Bible where uh, Peter does a miracle on the way to his noontime prayers. Okay, where Daniel gets caught doing his noontime prayers when he wasn't allowed to pray in Babylon. Okay, so this, this shows up a lot in the Bible, this idea of three times a day we pray. Uh, also, there were some other prayer times. So Psalm 119, 164 says, Seven times a day I praise you for your righteous rules. So there were actually some other times, like Compline, right before you go to bed. Uh, like uh, some, of the, some of the nighttime watches, people would get up and pray in the middle of the night. There were these other sort of prayer times as well. Now, over time, Christians have lost this daily prayer. Okay? And I think it's partially because later in history, we started doing what three times a day? Eating. And so we would eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And, and then Christians, you were told, oh, you better say your grace. Better say grace, which is really not in the Bible, by the way. It's really not a thing about grace. There's a thing about morning, noon time, and evening prayers. And eventually we started eating at those times, and therefore we lost our daily prayers. Okay? Uh, now we just pray for whatever we're eating instead of really praying to God those three times a day where we're supposed to. Okay? But if you go to a Jewish home or you go to a Muslim home, you find that they still do their daily prayers. And I wonder if we as Christians, instead of just trying to pray one big time a day or just pray at meals, took a little more seriously the morning, noontime, evening prayers, if that may put us better off. The prayer of St. Patrick is for what time of day? It's a morning prayer. Okay, how many times did I read the words, I arise? I arise, I arise, I arise. It's a morning prayer. Okay, you, you, you arise in the morning, you get up and you pray this prayer as sort of a shield or a blessing, or an armor for the day. Okay, it's a morning prayer. This is actually a huge lesson in prayer. This idea of putting on this armor of prayer, or this reminder. That prayer is not actually for God. Prayer is not actually for God. God doesn't cry when you don't pray. He's not unaware of what's going on in your life because you didn't tell Him. Prayer is not really for God. God knows God knows God is not dependent on your prayers as if he's Santa Claus and he needs you to believe so his sleigh will fly. That is not who God is. Prayer is not about God primarily. God, prayer is actually about you and your relationship with God. Here is how I might say it. Prayer is about position more than it is about petitions. Let me say that again. Prayer is about position more than it is about petitions. Prayer is less about you asking God for stuff that God already knows that you need. Prayer is more about you recognizing that you need it and you can't get it yourself. That's what prayer is really about. Prayer is about who is God and who is the one that needs God. I'll give you a hint. You're not God. That's what prayer is about. It's about getting the position right. It's about saying, not my will, but your will be done. Or as we prayed earlier, your kingdom come, your will be done. Implying, hey, not my kingdom, not my will. And that, by the way, is a dangerous prayer. Because that gives God permission to say no to your will if it's against his will. It's about getting the position right. 
that the source of power and strength and protection in your life is God. And a hint again for you, you're not God. It is a reminder. But I also want to say this clearly, that in, in some ways in Scripture, God really does respond to the prayers of His people. <clears throat> and there really is something about voicing something into existence. That is how creation works. God voices something into existence. And there really are times when God responds to the prayers of his people. So I don't want to discount that at all. Except to say that I think actually the primarily thing that prayer does is put you in the position you're supposed to be with God. A.K.A. you're not him. A couple more things about Celtic prayer. Notice the role of nature. We've, we've, we've picked up on this before, but for the Celts, nature was so important. Okay? Um, in the prayer uh, of, of St. Patrick, the breastplate of St. Patrick here, nature provides a number of the metaphors for God. To name a few, he is the strength of heaven, light of the sun, the splendor of fire, the, the swiftness of wind, the firmness of rock. Okay, so in a sense, nature is helping to inform our understanding of God. There's also in the prayer a sense of the dangers of nature. Poison, burning, drowning, wounding. So part of the prayer is actually a reference to God isn't nature. That was the important distinction the Celts had to get. God is not trapped in nature, but in some ways nature can point to God. And in some ways, we've we got to remember that God, we want God to step in and to affect nature, to interact with nature. I want to say a couple other things. The Celtic prayers were corporate. They were meant to be prayed together so that your community would often be, be trying to discern God's will and pray God's protection for you as a group. And they were a lot based around the Psalms. This is true of Christian history. I want, in your Bible, the Psalms are different than the rest of the book. The Psalms is a prayer book. It's actually a song book. And so Christians throughout history who didn't know what to pray, how many of you are like that? You don't know what to pray? Right? I don't know how to have words to pray. Well, sometimes what you do in Christian history is you pray other people's words. You pray the Psalms or you pray prayers that are, you pray Celtic prayers. You pray, pray prayers that other Christians have written. And, and I can't emphasize this for you enough, how much in Christian history the Psalms is how people learned how to pray. So if you have trouble praying, you don't know how to pray, Start praying your psalms. Read a psalm and then use that language to pray. Right? Um, if, the, if the Lord is a solid rock, then uh, you, you, you start praying that. Lord, you are a solid rock. And, and I'm on some really shaky ground right now. And see, I take the psalms and I use them for my prayer language. <clears throat> All this is important, I think, for the Celts because I think prayer is at the heart of why they became so Christian. Okay, yes, they became authentically Celtic, and that authentic Celtic Christianity spread like wildfire with, with people like St. Patrick and others. But at the same time, they really had a foundation of prayer. Okay, they had a foundation of prayer, the source of Celtic missions, the source of Celtic study was prayer. Last week I talked about a Celtic friendship called a non your soul friend. And you know what a lot of soul friends did together? Prayed. They prayed because prayer was the source. 
And I'm struck as I read about Celtic prayer and talk about the importance of prayer, how much we don't pray and we don't know how to pray. We don't. We are not people of prayer for the most part. And we should be. That's where our source of, of power and authority really should come from. That's not easy because we haven't learned how to pray. And, and I, it's true in my own life. I had to develop my own rhythms of prayer. So, so let me share to close what prayer looks like for me is uh, I'm a little more of what, what history would call a contemplative prayer. Contemplative meaning thinking. And so for me, the, the idea that the Celts were focusing on the story of Jesus and on the Trinity and part of their prayer was reflection on who God was, that's very much what my prayer life looks like. It's about thinking about. So a lot of my, a lot of my prayers, in my, a lot of my life is in my head, Okay. Uh, but a lot of my prayer is in my head and thinking about and contemplating the things of God. And I do that in sermon prep and I do that in Bible study prep, but it goes beyond that for me. I have to do it sometimes where I am not doing it for a purpose of teaching, but I am just doing it to reflect on God's character and person. And so it's a lot of times more of like an all the time thing. And what I find is that, that Paul's admonition to pray continually makes a lot of sense for me because I have trouble sitting down to pray but it's sort of like an all the time thing I'm sort of like thinking about what God would say to this situation and I'm asking God real quick arrow prayers about this moment and this happening and so so it becomes like sort of this all the time thing it, it, not just thinking for knowledge sake but I, I want to clearly say it's like trying to see Christ in my life around me, like Patrick would say, right? Around me, beneath me, above me, beside me. And I'm trying to tune into what Christ is up to. And that becomes like an all the time thing. I'm not always real good at it. And sometimes I really wish I was more disciplined. And the other thing I have found is sometimes I need to be more disciplined. Like there are some times when really praying the Psalms or praying the prayer, prayer book or really praying Celtic prayers, or whatever that looks like, um, can be helpful, especially if I use it then to sort of anchor the rest of my prayer time. So I've done this thing called the Divine Hours, or the Daily Office, which is morning, noontime, and evening prayer. And I'll do it for several weeks, where I stop morning, noontime, and evening and pray. And that sort of discipline gets me in the Psalms and gets me back on track sometimes when I really need it. It's funny, I talked to my mom this week uh, about this sermon. I was getting her permission to talk about her, and she said it was fine. She just won't listen to it later, okay? But she's, one of the things she said that I thought was really funny, she said, my prayer life, Jordan, looks very different than when you were a kid. Because my mom is a lay pastor now, so she's a pastor in the presence. She pastors this little church in Lake City, Pennsylvania, and she said, I don't have the energy to sit down for an hour and, and do my devotions like I used to. And she said, now a lot of my study is based on sermon and teaching that I'm doing. And so she said, my prayer life has become a little more all the time. She said, I keep a notebook and, uh, you know, I sort of I keep, do keep track still of prayers. And uh, the other thing she does a lot is play the piano. And so a lot of worship is part of her thing. But like some of her, her study has, has slowed down and it's a little smaller, but it's spread out. It's like it's more all the time. And I thought, well, that's funny. You became more like me. And I was trying to be like her. But, but it goes to show you, not only does your prayer life change person to person, but I think your prayer life actually can change and needs to change season to season. 
right? So what your prayer life looked like last year may not be good for this year. And so, so part of what you have to understand is, oh, well, maybe this is a season I need more prayer. Maybe this is a season where I need to be more disciplined with it. I still wish I was more disciplined. I still wish I could be a little more like, like how I saw my mom doing that growing up. But, but I've learned to sort of release that to say, what's most important is understanding that God is with me all the time and I want to tune into that. That, it's God, that God is in this world, that Jesus is with me. Jesus is reaching out to me. The Spirit is with me, speaking to me. And so for you, whatever your method, whatever your timing, length of timing, how structured you are or not, I would ask you just to dive in. Start somewhere and then keep changing it as you need to to find where Christ can really speak to you. The method, the timing, all those things are less important than the intention. And the intention is the invitation that Christ is, as the prayer said, Christ is in you, with you, beside you, before you, behind you. If Christ is everywhere, start to tune into that. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.